Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're starting a new series today called Upside Down. Upside Down. This is Upside Down Part 1. We're going to Proverbs chapter 3. This is one of the most familiar scriptures in the Bible. Chances are you've seen this somewhere. You have it printed somewhere. You have it pinned on Pinterest somewhere. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You know there's Christian, Christian swear words? The Christian S word is in that passage. It's, it's submit. It's in all your ways, submit to him. And he'll make you just don't say that in church. It's, it's, it's bad. But the scripture says, trust in the Lord with, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And I think most of the time when we hear something like that, we hear this scripture because we've heard it so many times, we all say amen and we believe it. And we agree with it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Like how else would we do it? But, but the truth of the matter is that it says lean not on your own understanding and that flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Because I'm working hard to increase my understanding. I'm working hard to increase my maturity. I'm working hard to increase my knowledge. But then the scripture says something like this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on my, my own understanding. Which tells me that there are things in the kingdom that if you lean on the kingdom of God, if you lean on your own understanding, they won't make sense to you. That's what it tells me is, is that if I just try to like figure it out, it's going to be confusing to me. That, that the, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. The, the things that you think it is, it, it isn't. The things that you think it isn't, it is. And it, it, it's upside down. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 33, I'm going to take you to another familiar passage. Verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom, his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness. Seek it first, first, first. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Anybody say amen to that? Each day is enough trouble of its own. This scripture is interesting because we've heard this one as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you as well. And, and, and then, I don't know if I'm just like not very mature but, or like spiritually advanced, but I want to know what are the things. I, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I know we say it like real spiritually, like seek first the kingdom of God, brother. <clears throat> and all these things... <laughs> We'll be added, you know, you got to add that to be really anointed. Um, we'll be added to you as well. What are the things? We just, we just like forget about it and we're just like, so are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Yeah, I am. Oh, is he giving you all the things? Yeah. What, what, what are the things? Uh, you know, all the things. We go to church 1132. God's given us all the things. What are the things? You know, the things. It's like, no, I don't know. I'd like to know. What are the things? And if you read the context of this chapter, it actually gives you what the things are. Because super spiritual people want to say all the things are like things that you're going to need when you get to heaven. I hate to like crash your world, but you're not going to need anything when you're in heaven. It's heaven. 
Like, man, I'm up here in heaven. I'm just like in need. No, no, no. He, he's going to give you things here that you need. And the, the 10 verses before this begin to speak about what it is. And it says things like clothes. Things like, I mean, I, I kind of fell on, fallen on some hard times recently, but I took the curtains off our bedroom window and I made a shirt, so I'm doing all right now. Um, you know, it's just, sorry. I got to pull it, pull it back, pull it back. Uh, literally greeting people and they're like, nice shirt. Like with a question mark. You know, it's like, that's not a compliment. You got to put an exclamation point. Nice shirt? Like, no, no, no. Nice shirt. Okay, okay, I'm just helping somebody. Uh, the, the, the context of this passage is material things. All the things are all the things that you need in this life, like clothes, like food, like the things needed to make it. And so when it's saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things are everything that you need in this life. That's what those things are. Now, the kingdom of God is upside down. If we lean on our own understanding, it'll really trip us up because it looks different when you look at it. This is, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, bless those who persecute you. That's upside down because I like to persecute those who persecute you. Know, like, that's just my natural reaction. But the Bible flies in the face of what our natural reaction is, and it says, bless those who persecute you. It says that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the... Ser Jesus said this. He said, learn to be the servant of all... I read this uh, book a long time ago uh, called The 48 Laws of Power. Anybody ever read this? It's like 48 ways how to like, manipulate your way to the top. And um, I didn't apply any of it, FYI. I just was reading it for information. And, and it, it, it's all about how to get to the top. Now, this is what Jesus says about how to get to the top. He says, learn to be the, the servant of all. Can you imagine getting on YouTube and selling your curriculum on how to get to the top of your organization and this is your main idea is be a servant. Be a servant. You know those ads that come up, you know, where they're walking through the garage with Lamborghini and Ferrari. It's like, you can have what I have in three months. Just send me a check. No, you have what you have because I've been sending you a check. That's why. We, we, get, we, get all, we, we, we get all been out of shape sometimes when we're, when, when, when we're in this kingdom because it's upside down. If you want to be great, learn to be the servant of all. To be first, you have to be last. To find your life, then lose it. If you want to receive, then give. It's upside down. This is what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It's the opposite of what our understanding would tell us. And that's why Proverbs says, lean not on your own understanding. You have to trust even when things don't look like your rationale says they look. It doesn't make sense to bless someone that's persecuting you. But the kingdom of God is upside down. So we have to bless and we have to love in an area where we're getting persecution or we're getting hate. Now, let me tell you this, is that God is, he is, he is lethal when it comes to our attention and our focus. 
He wants all of us. God is number one. That's where he is. He's not number two, number five, number ten. The only way that God really works is when he's number one in our lives. He is not a good number two. He is not a good number 17. He is not a good number 127. He only works when he's first. And what I've found about God is that my relationship with him is a lot about trust. It's a lot. It has to do a lot with trust. Because the upside down kingdom makes it important for me to trust God. I was praying the other day, and, and I was just praying for our church and praying for 2018 and praying about the risks or the vision that we're going to announce to the church for, for next year. And, and I'm praying, and I'm, I just have all of these things that we're going to step into. It's going to be exciting. FYI, I mean, all these things that we're going to do next year, it's, it's going to be amazing. And, and, and God, and we've done so much in 2017, but 2018 is just going to blow it out of the water. It's going to be amazing. So I'm praying about this, and I, I, I just felt like impressed that God spoke to me this, this phrase. And he said, Dustin, your wealth is a weapon. And I started thinking about that, like, like you, my wealth is a weapon. What, is, what does that mean? And, and this is going to be one of our risks that we're going to talk about for next year is, is that we are going to begin to equip. We're going to begin to train. We're going to begin to come around people financially and help them get into good stewardship principles so that they can create margin in their life. We're going to break the bondage of debt. We're going to break them out of these things so they can create margin so that they can be a blessing to the kingdom. And so God began to speak to me that your wealth is a weapon. The problem is for most of us, we don't have wealth. We don't have a weapon because we've used what we have as a crutch. And when you don't have margin, you have to use what was meant to advance the gospel to support yourself. You, you, is everybody all right? Okay, it's like smile break, smile break. Did he just, is he talking about money? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus talked about it, so we talk about it. See, we're one of those weird churches that like fo follow like the whole Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the whole thing? It's like all of it. Jesus... Jesus preached on all kinds of subjects, but he preached on money, stewardship, and possessions more than any other subject. The Bible has over 500 scriptures on prayer, about 500 scriptures on faith, and over 2,000 on money, stewardship, and possessions. 2,000. It's the most talked about in the Bible, the least talked about in the church. I'm just going to tell you, it's okay to talk about money and still breathe in church. Everybody take a deep breath. It's like... I'm going to tell you something about our church. Our church really believes this, and we've proven this, and I've gotten in trouble for it over the years, is we, we want something for you, not from you. This is important. We really want something for you, not from you, because the enemy comes in to try to bring bondage, specifically in the area of finances, that locks up the kingdom from advancing. Because the only way that the kingdom of God advances is by the people of God. There's no other religion supporting the church, FYI. There's no other group of people on the earth saying, you know what, let's just make sure the church keeps going. The, the, the people that advance the kingdom of God are the people of God. And I'm going to tell you this is God has designed your wealth to be a weapon. 
It's not supposed to be just a crutch that we get through life from month to month, from paycheck to paycheck. God wants to create margin in your life, and he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I'm telling you, there's businesses that are in this room right now. There are ideas. There are innovations. There are movies. There is music. There is all kinds of things that are in you that God wants in the world, and when they come into the world, it's not so that you'll be great. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Pastor, well, are you saying that God, he's okay with me having money? He is totally fine with you having money, as long as money doesn't have you. See, that's the trust element that we're talking about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I think it's really important that we change our mindset about money. That, that we got to change our mindset about when it's talking. You notice how hot it got in here when we started talking about that? It's like, man, is it, did they have the AC on in here? It's, it's, it's just because this is a very tough subject to talk about specifically in church. But Jesus talked about it not because he needed money. He didn't talk about it because like, like our currency was going to do something for him. Like, how am I going to give $100 a day? And God's not like, oh, my goodness, we're going to change the world. He, that's, you're not, like, making God, like, stand back, like, in awe. Like, what are we going to do with that 100 bucks? He's good. But there's something about the trust in us. There is something about faith that believes that God is going to do for us what he said he can do for us. In this church, we do not give to get something. We give to give. We give because we already received. We give, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Our giving is a response to the ultimate giver. He gave, and now we give. We don't give so that I can get a new Mercedes Benz. We don't give so that we can get a new sports car. We don't give so we can get a new lake house. We don't give. But I will say this. There is a reward for giving. We do not do it to get a reward, but there is always a reward to our obedience. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. People say, well, I'm not seeking him for a reward. Well, he wants to give it to you. Would you like it? The Amazon Prime package is sitting outside the door. It's like, nope, I don't deserve a reward. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it. That's fine. You don't have to. He's just giving it to you because he loves you. He's doing it. You don't do it to get it. You do it, and then God rewards. Wealth must be devoted to serving God, not replacing him. There is an assignment on my money that I have to operate in obedience to. There is a destiny connected to my dollars. God wants to use what I have to advance his kingdom. He wants to use what he put in our hands to move the kingdom of God forward. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the plan of God to put money in the hands of believers that go through us and to ministries and people and the poor and churches to advance the kingdom of God. It is a generous mentality. It is the mentality and the characteristics that God has in and of himself. In Matthew, or in Matthew Henry's commentary, it says this about Proverbs 3. It says, we must believe that God is able to do what he will. Wise to do what is best and good according to his promise, to do what is best for us if we love him and serve him. We must with an entire submission, S word, and satisfaction 
depend on him to perform all things for us and not lean to our own understanding as if we could by any forecast of our own without God help ourselves and bring our affairs to a good issue. This comes down to trust. And let me say it this way. Nothing tests your trust like how you deal with treasure. There is nothing in this world that will test your trust more consistently and more effectively than what we do with our money. So I want to give you a couple things about trust. The, the number one thing with trust is you have to trust the word. You have to trust what the word says. You got to believe it or you don't. I mean, it's just like, I wish it was that simple like in our minds, but really this is either you believe the word or you don't. I, we said this earlier, but there's approximately 500 verses on prayer, 500 on faith, and over 2,000 on money and possessions. Listen, you, you, you don't have to just believe, and this is how this has helped me. It is, you don't have to just believe the book specifically, but you can believe the writers. See, this is what helped me is because it's, it's like if you just have the book, you could think it's like a, like a scam, like, like there was just some manipulations, like let's write this book to make sure that all the believers give 10% of their money to the churches, and then, oh, we got it. Like, it. Or you could understand that there's 40 different authors over a course of 1,600 years, all with the same redemptive theme, and all with the emphasis on the principle that we'll talk about in a moment, the principle of the first. The principle of the first. The, what you might know it as the tithe. Tithe actually means tenth, or it means test. When, when we tithe, that is 10% of our income that we, believe as, that we believe as believers, that when we get paid, when we have an increase, we give 10% to the local storehouse, is what the Bible calls it, or to the local church. When we give that, we are not paying God or tipping God. We're bringing back to him. This, it all belongs to God. He says, I'm going to let you live on 90%. Just bring 10% back to the house to make sure that your heart hasn't got attached to it. It's a, it's a test of trust. Everybody okay? It's like, oh, he's after the money. He's after the money. Don't worry. You're, you're all right. This is what I said, and this is what gets me in trouble sometimes. The, the, the Bible says this about the tithe. Malachi chapter, chapter 3, we'll read it in a second. It says, test me in this. It's the only place in the entire Bible that God gives us permission to test him. He says, test me in this. And this is what I would say to you. Is if, if you ever have questioned the motives of the heart of this church, tithe to one of the other nine on Greenville. Right? There's like nine churches right, right there. And it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be amazing. And they would love it, by the way. You just, you just write, write that tie check and send it to someone. Because the Bible says, test me in this. I, I want to give it to you because some people say um, that tithing is just an Old Testament principle. Okay? Um, I'm going to help you for a second because you're not, you're not going to like this, FYI. I would love to have a bunch of just New Testament Christians. Like people are saying, oh, that's Old Testament. I'm not, I'm not. I would love that. Because the New Testament, it gets worse. <laughs> Old Testament is like, just take that one. That one's 10%. New Testament is people would sell possessions, land, and they would give to anyone. It didn't even say like some of the people that deserved it. It says anyone who had need. Well, they had a job. They wouldn't need it. No, no, it didn't say that. It just said anybody who had need. Some people are just giving stuff away like, like crazy. So for some of you, like New Testament... Com- Come on in. Like we, we, we could use you. I mean, that, 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 that's amazing. But, but the Bible teaches us the principle of the first. In Genesis chapter 4, it talks about Cain and Abel's offering. Cain's was part of his fruit. 
For Abel, it was his first fruits. Where we see the principle of the first. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says a tithe, a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, I know some of the Old Testament people are not too convinced, but I just want to help you on this one because this is the most popular tithing scripture in the Bible, and I just want to help you with something. Malachi chapter 6, verse 6, it starts out as if the writer knew that we would say that this doesn't count for the future. This was like an ancient book with ancient writings, ancient mentality, ancient mindset. We're free. Malachi chapter 6, it says... I, the Lord, do not change. Man, that's tough to get around, isn't it? It's like, ah, oh. but sometimes, possibly, that just, just doesn't. So you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed ever since the time of your ancestors. You've turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And all the spiritual people are like, well, that doesn't actually mean like things here. Well, why does he have to open heaven to throw it here? If it was for heaven, he'd keep it in heaven. I know it's deep today. It's, it's like, he, he says that you'll not have room enough to store it. You think God's like, man, we're getting pretty thick up here. Like, we're running out of room. Like, we, we, can't, we can't hold anything else. That's not for heaven. That is for here. Is, is everybody okay? That, that is for here. Let's just keep on moving. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10. Now, i got to give you this because this is really interesting. The context, and I actually didn't even see this. Jamie mentioned after the first service. It's interesting. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding. Yes, we love that. We love that. We love that. The context, chapter 3, verse 9, just a couple verses down, three verses down, or verse 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruit of all your crops, which means increase, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, with the first of everything that you receive. A tithe must be given first before anything else, even before knowing if there will be more. Every time I tithe, it is a declaration of my trust in God. It is saying, God, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're trusting you. I'm putting it on the line. You ever been a part of those like trust falls? You know what I'm talking about? You know, like a trust fall? And you'll go like a ways, but then if you don't feel like the hands on your back, it's, you know, the step back. Like, whoa, 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 bro, you got me or no? Like, you got to tell it's, it's There's only so far. I feel like this is what we do with God all the time. It's like, I'm giving God, I'm giving God, I'm giving God. No, no wait, whoa, whoa. I don't know if you got me. I don't know. You know, a trust fall is exactly that, a trust fall. There is some time there where you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's going to come through. I don't know if we're going to make it. A tithe is not a tip, but it's rather an establishing a priority, and it's a declaration of trust. Trust in the word. If you're going to be generous, 
you have to trust in the word because you have to have a backing that helps you when our modern American culture starts to get in your mind and the selfishness and greed of America starts to take you over. You've got to have something that you can go back to that says, I was not given something so that I could be great. I was given something so that I can make the kingdom of God great and I can make Jesus famous and I can make the church of Jesus Christ. That's why God blesses us. And I've found this to be true, that if God can get things through us, he'll continually get things to us. I'm going to tell you, Jamie and I have been blessed in our life and our ministry at times when we were barely getting paid anything but God has blessed us over and over and over we have never lacked we have never been in want we have never been in need God has blessed us and met our needs you think that's just because we're lucky I think it's because there's a principle in play that if God can get something through us he'll get us get it to us I'm not a container I'm a conduit I'm not I'm not a container I'm a conduit I'm a conduit. God, you can use me. You got to trust in the word. Number two, you got to trust in the soil. You got to trust in the soil. There's three things you can do with money you can spend it, which is fun. You can save it, not so fun. And you can give it. Those are the three things you can do with money. Uh, there's a pastor, Jimmy Evans. He's, he says, when you spend it, money goes kaboom. You know, it goes fast, it explodes. When you save it, it goes to sleep, right? It's there. It's just asleep. You can use it. When you give it, it comes alive. Because the Bible teaches us that what you give out of generosity is a seed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever, you know what we like? We like to like reap generously, and then we say, now we're going to sow generously. Did you notice that you the planting comes before the harvest. Well, as soon as God blesses me, whew, I'm gonna real. I'm I'm gonna be a giver. No, no. If you can't be a giver with little, this is a principle in Scripture. If you're faithful over little, He'll make you faithful over much. But you have to start. Somewhere. People say, "Well, once I start making a lot more money, I'm gonna I'm gonna give." I'm just gonna tell you, 10% of the thousand dollars a month is way easier to give than when you make more money. I'm just saying, but if you don't do it now, you won't do it then. You've got to begin to step into faith and step into obedience. Paul likens our giving to sowing. I'm going to tell you, when you sow into the soil of church 1132, what you do, you sow into a church that believes in local missions, global missions, and the future generation. When you give to this church and you give to this house, I'm going to tell you, is that we are passionate about impacting our community. We are passionate about, through missions, impacting the world. And we are passionate about raising up the future generation. And the money that comes into this house is going to be used to raise up a local, global, and future movement of men and women of God that will advance His kingdom. You've got to know the soil in which you plant. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a couple verses down, it says, Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He says that God, says that God gives seed to the sower. So if you're proven to be a sower, he will get you seed. 
The problem is that most of us live on seed and never plant seed. We eat seed instead of sowing seed. Now, it's getting heavy in here. Just smile, break, look around. You're, you're, you're all right, okay? You're good. I'm just going to tell you that this is one of the ways that the enemy robs the trust out of the heart of the church. Because we can say, oh, we got faith. We got faith until it costs us something. And then it's really difficult. It's really difficult when the bill comes in the mail and you don't have money in the bank to cover the bill. And you're just like, yeah, I don't totally trust there's nothing like adversity financially to get you to fall back on your own understanding. You got to trust the soil, and thirdly, you got to trust in the process. I've, I've found this out that, that when I sow money in the kingdom of God, it does not always mean that when I go check the mail, I have a check for what I sowed. That'd be nice. But that's not how it works. When I sow into the kingdom of God, whatever happens to it, happens to it. But when it, it is out of my control, God goes to work. And I'm just going to tell you, there is no price that I would put on, on my boys serving God for the rest of their lives. There is zero price. I mean, any, there's no price that is too high. There is no price that is too high for my marriage to be fulfilled and to be everything that God's called to be. There is no price for, on the health of my family. Now, am I saying all those things will happen? No, I'm just saying that when we sow, there is not just material harvest. There is financial harvest, there is. There is spiritual harvest, there is physical harvest. There, when we sow into the kingdom of God, it becomes something. It comes to life. For Jamie and I, we have made a commitment to tithe. And this is, I realize that not everybody knows this, is because we get paid by the church. So our income is from the church. But then, this is how it happens. Like, I write a check to myself, Then I take that check, and I take 10% of that check, and I write it back to the church. Why do I do that? I believe in this principle so much that I've got to get it into my hands so I feel it, so I know it's there, and then i got to release it so I know I trust. You know what would be easier? It'd be easier to be like, hey, can we just like take 10% off what I make and say I tithe? No, because it never came into our possession. This is the thing. This is, God's not after the amount. He's after a heart. He is after the trust that it takes to say, I've got it, but now I trust you with it. That process is everything in your trust walk with Jesus. To actually have, I had a, I had a friend years ago that was like, hey, you know, like, I make a lot of money. I like to tithe where I want to tithe. And so, just so you know, like, I'm going to buy the church some new equipment. I'm going to buy this. And, and so, you know, I, I, anything that he wanted different in the church, he said, I'll just buy that. Because, you know, because he, he, he had the means and, and his tithe was huge. And, and so he just wanted to direct it. And, and I told him, I said, I said brother, just, just hear my heart on this. When you direct it, you control it. The faith is in letting it go. And not knowing. And not knowing where it's going. And not being able to direct it. Not being able to say it. Because, I mean, you, you, could, you could literally, the, the, the test that God has for you is not about the amount, the dollar, the money. It is about the trust. 
that says, God, I, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. I've found this out about giving. Giving breaks the curse of the world. It breaks my dependence on money. And it breaks the selfishness in me. That's what giving has done for me. It breaks the curse of the world. It breaks the materialistic minds of the world. It breaks my dependence on money. And it breaks the selfishness in me. I'm going to say this. We don't have an information problem in the church. We have an application problem. Because most of us know these things. We do, but the, With as much love as I can say, we just really don't trust him. Because we lean on our own understanding. But we got to recognize that this is an upside-down kingdom, which means that we can't lean always on our own understanding. We have to trust. We have to believe. I, I, I was talking with a couple this last week, and I was so blessed um, because they sent me a video, and they're going to be mad that I shared this probably, but, you know, I love them. And they'll get over it. Um, they sent me a video, and they said, you got to watch this. And I press play, and... It was a couple in our church that was giving their car to somebody in need. Free of charge, no costs, nothing, just here. And they had it cleaned up. They had it detailed. They were so excited. They couldn't hold back the tears. They're crying. She comes around the corner. They surprise her. They give her the keys. The girl begins to cry. She's crying. They're crying. I'm crying. It's like, as they gave Generosity is not just about what we do in this building. Generosity is an attitude of the heart. Generosity is something that we live in. It's, it's, it's something that we do. It's, it's, the tithe is obedience to the church, but generosity goes bigger than the tithe. It goes bigger than what we give. It is us living in a way and with a mindset that says, I don't have to keep up with the Joneses. I don't have to do what other people are doing. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to use what God's given me to be the best that I can be. I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to see God do something great through my life. God will use every area of your life. He will use your gifts. He'll use your talents, but he'll also use your money. Matthew chapter 6, and I want to read to this because we're still kind of wondering, like, what are all those things? Like, they get added to us, you know, like the things. Matthew chapter 6, the verses before this, verse 25, it says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? These are the things. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, this is where we're going to close. I want you to see this. It says that the pagans run after the things. But we know the next verse says, But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. Do you know what this entire passage is saying? It's saying make sure that you don't run after the stuff. 
run after him. I'll take care of your stuff, but you have to focus on me. I'm telling you, God is not after a part of us, a piece of us, a place in us, a fraction of us. God wants all of us. He wants every part of our hearts, every part of our attention, every part of our affection, and He wants us to trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The context is money. Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. The context is possessions. It's money. God's saying, I want you to run after me. I want to be number one. I want to be your focus. If you can just focus on me, if you can focus your business on me, if you can focus your finances on me, I'll take care of everything else. I'll give you all the things. But right now, I need you to center your your affection and your attention on me. If you never tied to this church, I'm going to tell you, God's going to provide. The lights will stay on. We'll keep on having services. It's a, but, but I'm going to tell you, God wants and we want something for you. And if this is like a challenge to you and you question like the motives of the church or anything like that, I, I, I'm serious. Like I'm serious about this. Tied to another church, just try it and watch what God does. Step out in radical generosity and just see what God does. But you know why I think that God's talking about all of that? Is not so the church can continue to function and have money. Not so that you can feel better about yourself, about what you gave. I think that he's talking about all of these things to make sure that our focus after God is completely, solely for him. That's the theme all throughout scripture. The Bible says in the Old Testament that God is a jealous God. And when we trust our job more than we trust him, he's jealous of that affection. When when we trust our own willpower, our own strength, our own ability more than we trust him, he's jealous of that attention. He's given you your gifts. He's given you your abilities. And they're they're going to make money. They're going to have increase. We're going to see businesses continue to come out of our church and opportunities and creative ideas. It's going to be incredible what God's going to do through you. But do you know what the key is? The key is not to run after the success or to run after the things. It is to run after Him. And this is our desire as a church is that we would be passionate about running after Him. No matter what it costs us personally, no matter what it feels like, no matter what someone else is doing, that personally we would make a commitment that God we want to run after you. You're our one desire. You're our heart's cry. You're everything that we need. You're everything that we want. Lord, our eyes and our attention are on you. Hebrews chapter 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Paul says, set your mind on what the Spirit desires. He's trying to get a point across that he wants all of our attention. This is We're talking about money because money is connected to our heart, but what God's really after is our heart. And I found that a lot of times if he gets our money, then he gets our heart. So you might be here today and you're thinking like, wow, this is the bad week to come. Uh, I just want you to know this, is that as a church, we love you. and We believe in God's plan for your life. And the vision that God has for you, for your family, for your legacy, and for this church is huge. It's beyond what you see right now. 
is beyond what you imagine it to be. And it's gonna happen as we have hundreds and thousands of people that say, we trust you, God. Lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, acknowledge him and he will direct my path. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.